This is the SF Productions Podcast Network. How I Got My Wife to Read Comics Episode 565 Can a comic book collector of over 30 years get his wife to read them? Will she let him keep them? Learn more in this podcast. Let's go to the comic book lounge with Mindy and Mark. The super bromance continues, a horrific crossover, there's a new slam, Lemire wraps up Gus's story, the Spirit Man tapes, more red and blue, and upcoming comics. This is How I Got My Wife to Read Comics for Sunday, April 25th, 2021. I'm Mark. And I'm Mindy. Just a reminder, you can go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get our feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs, or subscribe with your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com, like us at facebook.com slash sfppn, follow us on Twitter at sfppn, check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn, or call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Challenge of the Super Sons, number one of seven by Tomasi, Rayner, and Guerrero. It's clear that DC cut bait way too early on the concept of tween sons of Superman and Batman, since they keep coming back to it in miniseries form. The decision to age up John Kent forced their hand. More about that in a bit. We begin in the far future, where senior versions of John and Damien are playing video games while maybe their grandkids, sneak down to read another volume of their young adventures. Cut to just after the events in the last mini, where John is burning the midnight oil in the school library. He's investigating a cheating scandal, but Damien already solved it, much to John's annoyance. Does free them up to go on patrol. John carefully unbuttons his dress shirt. Mom Lois told him that she won't sew them back on again. Initially, there's not much going on. Damien thinks they should go to Gotham. But then John spots something, which turns out to be helping a nurse bring in a lot of groceries. Once that's done, and Damien accepts a tip, why? A mysterious woman in a cloak appears, going off about the Doom Scroll, which leads us into the last miniseries. The boys return from that event only moments later with said Doom Scroll. It magically tells of someone who will die in one hour if they are not saved. Making that even harder, you can't tell anyone about it, even the intended target, or a random person will die instead. The scroll shows the Flash logo with a lightning bolt through it, which indicates the fastest man alive will be struck down by lightning. They need to get from Gotham to Central City before the hour is up, which John can do, but not while carrying Damien. Damien notes that even his father doesn't have anything that would go that fast. Really? The Bat-Jet can't? Anyway, instead, they break into Star Labs to pick up the Supermobile. First appearing in Action Comics number 1, number 481, I have that issue. It was created for two reasons. One, to simulate Superman's powers while he flew it in to fight Amazo when a wave of kryptonite radiation was sweeping the Earth and two, to tie into a corgi toy line. Damien, after LAMO, flies the car while John flies on his own. They make a crank call to Barry's police lab, saying they are Gorilla Grodd off to destroy the Flash Museum. This sends him off with the boys in hot pursuit. 
There is a storm brewing, and Damien tries to calculate the vector of the bolt, but it's just too random. So he throws his fighting baton over to John, who swoops in and intercepts the lightning with Barry none the wiser. John is okay, although it really hurt. No time to rest. Now the scroll shows Diana's logo. Lock and Key, The Sandman, Helen Gone Number 1 from DC IDW by Hill, Rodriguez, Fotos, and Lee. A crossover between the two horror-based books that seems to go over similar arenas. We're big fans of the Sandman universe, but really haven't dipped into IDW's book, which is a centuries-long storyline about demonic keys to different dimensions and abilities. Set in 1927, Mary Locke has come to England via one of her keys to see Roderick Burgess, the man who captured Dream in the original Sandman series. She needs to talk to Dream in order to find out how to save her brother Jack, dead 10 years and in hell. There's now a deadline as her father is dying and wants to see Jack again. She meets Roderick's son, who happens to be playing with Dream's helm, the gas mask-looking device, as well as the Dreamstone, which gives him more interesting dreams. He's excited as they are about to go tour the U.S. Roderick is to give a series of talks. His hopes are dashed as Roderick has canceled the whole thing after being belittled in the U.S. press. Roderick is willing to allow Mary an audience with Dream as long as she gives him the matchstick key, which can set anything ablaze, a house, a river, a human soul. Reluctantly, she agrees, then meets Dream trapped in a glass bell. She explains the situation and pleads and begs him for help, but he does not reply. Roderick said he hasn't responded to anyone, but that wasn't part of the deal. As they leave, Mary turns back to see Dream write something in sand wiped on the glass. It's his helm. Roderick's son is brooding in his room. There's a party downstairs, but he wants nothing of it. Mary offers him a way to tour the U.S. himself via one of her keys. He just has to return it so she can get back herself. He gladly takes it and is off, giving Mary the chance to swipe the helm and stone. She puts it on and goes to sleep, finding herself on top of a freshly used grave. It's Abel, who Cain buried alive. She hears him asking for help, which she does. Abel comes out with rats coming out of his body, and Mary runs screaming into the nearby house, which is, of course, the house of mystery. Cain invites her in, and she notes that it looks like her key house. Cain replies that the house tends to borrow ideas from its guests. With the helm on her head, Cain assumes that the master has returned, at least at first. Then he wants to make friends with her, as anyone who could get the helm must be powerful. Cain fills a cannon with large keys and eviscerates Abel when he comes in, so Mary flees. She runs into demons and monsters, all of whom bow to her again. They assume she's their master, now returned in a new form. We get an interlude with Brute and Glob, two demons and Sandman characters, plus a mysterious man with a cane. Mary runs up an infinite set of stairs, seeing a tortured Lucian, then runs into the mansion at the top. A gray-haired man welcomes her into the Library of Dreams, noting that it should have the info she seeks. Unfortunately, the man is the Corinthian, a nightmare. This has really piqued my interest in the Lock and Key series, which I guess was the whole point of the crossover. Mm-hmm. Black Hammer, Visions Number 3 from Dark Horse by Zdarsky, Christmas, Stewart, and Pecos. The anthology based on Lemire's superhero concept continues, this time focusing on Slam Abraham, set at a time in the past when he's feeling his age. 
In what seems like an Captain America riff, the government has brought in the Slam, a new version of the hero, presumably as someone they can better control. This hero uses guns. Abe is not a fan and tells his younger girlfriend so. She's just glad he isn't out superheroing anymore. Abe works as a trainer at a boxing gym and gets riled when they chide him about his age. It doesn't help when they call the new guy Abraham Slam. So he decides to put on the costume and stop the slam. It doesn't go well as the younger version had military training and mops the floor with him. This is a U.S. sanctioned beating. Abe wakes up in the hospital and told he was lucky to be alive. His girlfriend is furious and leaves him, telling him to figure out what's important in his life. Meanwhile, the slam goes up against a super baddie who looks like a 30s gangster on steroids and is killed in battle. Slam goes to his funeral, he's in the background, running into Golden Gale in her older guise. He's mad that he was thrown into this with no real superhero experience. Gale replies she is quitting the business, telling him to do the same. The world especially doesn't want to see your grown old ass in a skin-tight costume. In the end, he decides she's right and goes back to his job at the gym. Sweet Tooth, The Return, number six of six from DC Black Label by Lemire, Villarubia, and Wands. Jeff Lemire wraps up this story and presumably the Sweet Tooth continuity. The rebels split up. Some go tell the people what's really going on. Others go to bring back Gus and Earl since that will prove it to the people. Meanwhile, Gus and Earl are sitting by the hatch debating if they should leave to the outside world. We know that if they do, Gus will infect all the hybrids and wipe them out. Gus has another vision of Jeffords, who tells him to go find himself out there. Gus tries to open the door, but needs Earl's help. He is presumably dying as he is the canary in the coal mine for the virus. Penny and her mom arrive just in time to stop them. Meanwhile, father sees the clock has run to zero and assumes Gus has done his job, cleaning of the hybrid so he can take over the earth. Penny and her mom crash through in a Humvee and hold a gun on the troops. Both mom and the father give their testimony as to what is happening, but she's zapped by drones. Earl comes out and starts whomping the troops. Penny and Gus stand together, pleading that it's safe for everyone to leave together. Father is shocked. Gus and Earl should be dead. Turns out the nuns disobeyed orders, doing nothing to infect Gus in the first place. They have come to love him. They all go back to the hatch and return to the upper world. Rorschach, number seven from DC Black Label by King, Fornays, and Stewart. The detective has a discussion with who? Rorschach? Will Meyerson? Is this all in his mind? In any case, we learn more about the mysterious audio tapes and why they were made. Otto Binder believed he could talk to the spirit world via those tapes, asking questions in a kind of seance and letting electromagnetic energies form on the tapes. This is the spirit men replying to the question. Of course, all you actually get is static, which people interpret as speech. Meyerson invited our narrator to a seance. Binder interprets it as the hill is the task. His dead daughter was buried on a hill. There's a whole thing about pirate comics. Now, superhero comics never really took off in the Watchmen universe. Instead, it's all about pirates. Later, Meyerson and The Kid, a.k.a. Laura, visit Frank Miller to play them the tape. They have interpreted to say, The Will is the Mask, which falls in their narrative about the squid's plans. They also believe that Dr. Manhattan sent the tape message, and the three of them do another seance, asking what they should do next. 
There's an interlude about Frank Miller writing The Dark Fife Returns, a pirate version of The Dark Knight Returns, a way to take a kid's comic and make it adult, which he ultimately realizes was a mistake. Back to the tape. The message, that is what they interpreted, is kill Turley, which led to the assassination attempt. Again, is this based on what the detective has collected, or is it all in his mind? It's very confusing. Mm. Superman Red and Blue, Issue 2 from DC, Black Label by Siegel, Relu, Brown, Cohen, Stanichi, Panosian, Phillips, Zarconi, and Howard. The second issue is shorter than the first, although with the same $5.99 price, and has five stories. In Own, Ma Ken is having lunch with some friends, one of whom mentions how Martha couldn't have kids without adopting, saying Cadley, have one of your own. The rest of the story is Martha noting how Clark is her own with double meanings regarding her worries about him. Clark drops by to pick her up, and she says he is our own. Into the Ghost Town stars Val Zod, the Superman of the new 52's Earth 2 JSA reboot. He and a robotic crypto fight Prometheus in space, saving a spaceship in the bargain. Prometheus escapes into the Ghost Zone, where he assumes he's safe, not so much. Patience is a Luthor tale, as his team has figured out how to control Red K so that it strips him of his powers, kind of like Gold K. Lex goes through various scenarios in his mind on how to use it, but none of them will work out, so he tells them to store it away for now. My Best Friend Superman features a young girl who displays something Superman gave her in Show and Tell, which the class and teacher highly doubt. Kids pick on her until Cal flies in to explain. He was fighting a robot, and she put herself in danger to check on him. Cal asked her to help him by getting bystanders out of the way, which she does. He gave her a part of the robot after the fight for her help. Then he organizes a basketball game for the kids, who are now big fans of the little girl. S is for Cyborg, features a fight between Big Blue and Cyborg Superman, who thinks he's just as good as the hero. He's building a robot dog, seems to be a theme here, to kill Superman, and at one point puts a janitor in danger to distract him. Of course, Cal saves the civilian, allowing the robot to get to full strength. Fortunately, it turns on Henshaw. These stories are so much better than what's going on in the main line right now. And speaking of that... DC announced some of their July solicitations this week. That process has become convoluted, with websites trying to interpret press releases and social media posts, trying to figure out what is going on. DC, to save a few bucks, has screwed up the normal solicitation process. They actually let go of the guy whose job it was to put that together, Mm -hmm. and apparently didn't get anybody else to do it. (laughs) Anyway, new Superman books were announced. Action will now follow Clark as he goes off to fight on Warworld. This will take him off planet for a while, leaving a supersized hole, which will be filled with Superman, son of Kal-El, replacing the existing Superman title as the ongoing book, at least for now. John Kent will officially step into the red boots as seen in Future State. Meanwhile, a Superman and the Authority miniseries by Grant Morrison will see Cal bring a new team together to help the fight on Warworld. Finally, Supergirl, Woman of Tomorrow, which actually starts a month earlier, will fill in the blanks between the current continuity and future state. 
Oh, and DC also announced a blue and gold miniseries from Dan Jurgens, putting Booster Gold and Blue Beetle back in the starlight. Squee! Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> Announcer Bot, how can the folks find us online? Go to sfpodcastnetwork.com to get the feed, other SF podcasts, and blogs. Subscribe by your favorite podcast catcher and leave us a review. You can email sfpodcastnetwork at gmail.com. Like us at facebook.com slash sfppn. Follow us on Twitter at sfppn. Check out tumblr.com slash blog slash sfppn. Call us at 614-321-9737. That's 614-321-9SFP. Back to you, Mark. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.